Well, you see it a lot because you got it on the spot. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 463 being recorded August 16th, 2017. I'm Alan Malventano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walworth. And I'm Ken Addison. Also known as the Ghost of Ryan Trout. People have to be tired of me at this point, right? I've been I was on the podcast yeah. last week. I've been oh, doing you're the on it more than Ryan is. This so. is just too much. This no, is no, too no, much. no. He's um he he being Ryan is uh, out of town on a small vacation with his smaller daughter. Well, his only daughter, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, no, he's got other smaller daughters. Don't tell Kelly. Just. Two of them. They're older. I know, dogs but, are older. But they're no, not smaller. They're also smaller. They're oh, not come smaller. On, they're furry. I've been to his house. Those dogs <laughs> almost tower over me. All right. Um, yeah, podcast at PCPro.com. Email us about your papers. Do we even get emails there anymore? No. Does anybody even ask us anything? Uh, people probably send emails. I don't think we check them. Uh, we should probably check them. Eh. Okay. Um, I have to remember the password. Yeah. Okay. I'll ask Ryan to check the email. Anyway. We'll just forward it all to you. No. There we go. (laughs) Yep. Just set up a forward rule. It's much easier. Yeah. 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 PCPro.com slash podcast where you can find show notes and uh, previous episodes, etc. Pro.com slash Ryan Shrout. Pro.com slash PCPer. Yep. Naming off all the appropriate things. Okay. The spam list. Ready for the spam list? Josh. What? Spam. No, Josh will not. I, I like no the spam. spam list. Josh gets no spam. Well, what it is, is it's kind of like, uh, you remember when you're a kid, and you get pen pals? So every once in a while, I randomly pick somebody out of the subscriber list, and I ask them if they want to be my pen pal. No, no, do not scare and away. I, and I provide some pictures of me. No. They're really nice pictures. No. So far, nobody has responded. Boudoir Thank- photos, as it were? Uh, Josh, Josh. <laughs> nice. Oh, was that my screen? Oh, yes, yeah, so that was that was your screen. Your screen was being mirrored. That, that's embarrassing. Uh, so, if you give us your name and your email, we will send you emails when we're about to do live streams or this podcast or other uh, type of events that uh, you might be interested in. Um, patreoncom per is where you can go. What's the number up to this week? Or twelve. Now, if only we had eight more, this could be a real part. To do 420. Blaze it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so patreon.com slash pcper is where you can go to uh, contribute to our Patreon and, uh, you know, help us do do the stuff with the stuff. We won't be able to read off the contributors live this week since it's tied to Ryan's email account. But feel but, free to spam the crap out of him while he's enjoying himself yes. down. Rest and assured. Emmeline can learn some will, new words. He will read it. Not out loud, probably, but to himself, so you can make him giggle. He will, yeah, yeah. You could, you could, uh, you know, send him lewd Mickey Mouse related things. Oh boy, mm-hmm. I'm just putting ideas in their head so uh, that they can delving you know, into a dark area of the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that I'm dark pretty area sure we definitely get sued for. That dark area is going to go straight into uh, Ryan's uh, inbox now. So there you go. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Ryan's been doing some PC per mailbox. Mail ba- mailbox. Mailbags. 
Uh, he did number four a couple of days ago. Uh, so that's up. You know, it's a video. I can see me in the background here, Ken enjoying is, life. Ken is slaving away, L- look staring at, how, at a blank look screen. Look at how much fun I have at work. Yeah, just staring. This is what benchmarking is. So if you've thought about a career in um, CPU or GPU wait. reviews. Still there. Wearing headphones now because I got tired oh, of listening to Ryan talk. Yeah. How that happens. Yeah. The, my pick of the week headphones last week. Oh. Yeah. I'm all about the frame rating on the left there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, fun to watch. Yeah. The reason it looks so crazy is because that display is only running at like 30 frames per second. I mean, it would always look crazy. So. But it looks even crazier. Yeah. Looks even more rainbow roady. This is when we censored out the Vega 64 liquid card that uh-huh. I left sitting uh-huh. while yes. there was a camera running. I didn't want people. That that wasn't the Vega. <clears throat> uh, well, that's just what I'm going with. Yeah. I'm not actually going. You know, it's to about tell. the size of a Hitachi Magic Wand plugged in, and actually, you forgot to leave. It was turned on. Yeah. Just running. Well, then you, yes. then you would have heard Bouncing it. It's idling? What is it, like a gas engine? You start it and it just sits there? <laughs> no, you put a resistor yes, on it. Yes, actually, and, that know, would be how it would be operate. Be careful on the choke. <laughs> no, that, that would be how Josh's <laughs> operates. You know, with the pull handle and everything. No. All right. Uh, PC Per Plays. Uh, what episode is that of it? Is it the second or the third? Easy Fourth. Per, PC Per Plays? Yeah. Wow. Numero four. Sweet. Uh, so, uh, Flat Out 2. That takes me back. That's an older game. I like how Ryan and I were the only ones without experience playing in this game in the office, and we were the ones that played it. It's fun, I, did, I did hear a recommendation that uh, at one point we should play, um, uh, what was it? Herbal? No, 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 no. Um, what's the one with the takedowns and... Stuff. Burnout Paradise. Yeah, Burnout Paradise. Burnout Paradise. There's takedowns in that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite games of all time, and we will play that. Yeah, we need to do Burnout Paradise Uh, at some point. Can you do like multiplayer like on a LAN? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I'll have to look at that. I I have two thoughts about next week. One, you and someone else need to play Mist at some point. Yeah. We need to do that. I mean, that'll be fun. Is it really that interesting to watch though? No, but that's not the point. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, we need somebody who hasn't. Run. We need somebody who hasn't played Mist to play Mist. Is the thing we don't have no, forty-eight hours be. straight. Yeah. Well, that's true too. The Mist takes a long. T- takes well, a we're long. not going to complete the game. Obviously, we're still just going to play it for how long we play it. Okay. My my other one is the StarCraft remaster oh, just came out, dude. Alex, did you just Bungling yes. Bay? What? Raid on Bungling Bay, I'm assuming for the Commodore. Yes. One of my favorite games of all time. And you're Thanks. looking around like you don't even know what that is. No, I was thinking if we can get video out of a Commodore. We can. We can make it happen. You just well, put an emulator. No. Dude, the emulators are so uh, accurate at this point I for know, Commodore. But that's it's not, it's not fun. the same. I agree, it's not the same. I totally am with you that it's not the same. That's all RF, isn't it? Pretty close. We could probably make it. We can make it work. Oh, actually, RF would be ideal because you could use a cheap little right on Bungling Bay. I can probably beat the last ninja in like twenty or thirty minutes. So, nice. so we, sh- we need to do a C sixty four episode at least. Yeah, at least. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to dig out your C sixty four. I'm gonna have to either gonna, get one or acquire another one. Maybe, well, this brings us into the if next. There, if there's retro hardware I need to own, it's probably a C sixty four. Okay, well, we're gonna skip ahead to where are we going. 
Well, we did this uh, PC per mailbag video. Package received. Did somebody send us? Yes. I. Uh, oh, I forget his name. I'm going to look again at the uh, notes. Oh, we don't have his name in the notes. I mean, if we have somebody that will loan us a Commodore 64, in case mine is no longer working. Well, we had a very nice user send us a bunch of Persian cookies and a Sidewinder force feedback USB joystick. That's, that recently. looks brand new. Uh, I mean, it was nicely clean. It was used, but it is in very good shape. Yeah, it's quite awesome. I don't know that they've made those in a while. That's the same one I've got. I mean, I had one of those at one point. I forget. more buttons, but it died. Stressed out cat from the Netherlands. Sweet. Want to remember his username? Props for that because that was awesome. That is awesome. So, if anyone has C sixty four lying around, that they didn't want a package and cookies or skills. I I don't need the games because I still have my box of floppies. That's now. 30 plus years old. Damn. All right. Um, money shot. Money shot. What? What? Oh. What is it? Was he him trying it? Oh. Okay. Yeah. I have been eating some amount of these cookies lately. They're pretty good. See, I could have been eating cookies instead of Skittles. Why didn't you tell me? There's like... 15 boxes of cookies on top of the shelf in oh, there. All right. Sorry. <laughs> People only send me like toxic waste and secondhand KY jelly, <laughs> which is. How do you toxic tell the difference? Can you get it back in the tube? <laughs> Patience. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, moving on. VLAN the 16th. Fragging Frogs hosting a party on Saturday, August 20. Wait a minute. Oh, the 16th. VLAN. Right? That is correct. Okay. You said VLAN the 16th. It almost sounds like that's the date it was or something. No. All right. So uh, Saturday, August 26th. And you, meaning all of you listening and anybody that read the post on the site, is invited. What games About are they going to be playing? 40 people signed time? up so far. How many? 40. 40. Nice. Sweet. 40. Um, is the games list in the thread yet? Yeah. Is there a, a list of oh, games? Oh, yeah. What's the... There's always a list. You teach you that before? Of course. Yeah. Pursuit. Nice, nice. Player unknown battlegrounds for the first time. That'd be fun. You could do... You could do Bill one. That. That'd be fun. When is... Uh, when's QuakeCon this year? I don't know. Next week. Does it, oh, it won't go through Saturday. That's when you gotta do like a VLAN. No, that's a... That's, PC that's per VLAN. the actual land. When everybody's in the BYOC, like, playing random crap, they and could all be on the PC per VLAN. I don't want to bring yeah, that, I think you that, know, that But I'll, that I'll let you know on a secret. What? Dino D-Day will be played as well. Because <laughs> it is just too damn funny. Two two Dino games on this list. It's oh, interesting. Yeah, Ryan's not quite as much fun. You can't. <laughs> there's no dedicated P button in Orion. There okay, is a Dino now D-Day. I know, now I remember the game you're referring to. It is funny. All right. Um, so you already did the package received. I guess we're on to the week in review. So uh, with that, first up, uh, Corsair NX500, uh, which is uh, right here. Pretty cool finish on this guy. It's like this faux carbon fiber kind of look to it. Um, giant heat sink. Giant heat sink. Um, actually, should skip. To the uh, internals age. And notice that the heatsink pad 
only connects to the controller, not to the flash. Somebody's been taking notes on like, hey, if you cool off flash memory while you're using it, the endurance will actually be lower. So you should let flash memory be at a higher temperature while it's operating. But the thermal pad looks like it's over nothing. No, it's because it flipped it over. (sighs) I have to give you a hard time somewhere. Can't take Ken anywhere. Um... So, uh, let's see here. The drive looks extremely awesome. Don't get me wrong. However, uh, performance was kind of like middle-of-the-road-ish for an NVMe, NVMe part. It did okay. It's not like it was bad. But, um, you know, uh, the, where, the, where the problem comes in is that all you really have that's the super bonus points, since the performance isn't like groundbreaking and beating anything else in particular, the only thing you the only aspect you have of it that's like amazing is that it looks amazing. Um so if you're doing a build where your case has like a window on the side and you're gonna see the SSD, I mean I might even go as far as to put that SSD on like a ribbon. You know, so that you can actually maybe have it facing outside. Like what you would do but with the, a GPU. It doesn't in some have cases. any Rs, Gs, or Bs. You can uh, fix that. That's true, but you can have lighting hitting it or something, which will probably still look cool. Oh, no, I like meant that in a good way. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, what's what's the controller? Is this a new controller? Is this... No, what's Yeah, it's Fizon E7, um, which is a newer controller from Fizon. But um, one we've seen. It is one, we, it is, it is one we've seen. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem, the problem I have with it is the price. It runs like 80 cents per gig. That's a lot of cents per gig. That's a lot of cents per gig, especially now. It'll like, make Ryan cry. That's that's nowhere near. It's 10. Nowhere, yeah, that's nowhere near ten. And um, I mean, when we wrote when this article went up, like you could get a nine sixty Pro for like fifty five cents a gig. A Pro, Pro, wow! Not even the Evo. Yeah. So you know, like it needs to come down in price. Basically, yeah, the 400 gig is already a hundred bucks more than I paid for my 500 gig 960 Evo a couple months ago. Yeah, and the 400 gig model is um, forty dollars more than the 512 gig 960 Pro. That's rough, right? So it's just you know, if you're not that worried about price, if you're going for you know an awesome aesthetic of a build, then it's hands down that's what you that's what you would get, right? It's not like the performance is bad. It's just not amazing, right? So, you know, I mean, it is what it is, right? But we ran it through. uh, This, I think, is the second review I've put up where I have went a little crazy and um, included the uh, charts of basically everything. So if you look at, like, the client Q-depth weighted results and you scroll past the... uh, first couple of charts that has like a group that we just selected for comparisons <laughs> if you keep going um some might say this chart becomes unreadable at some point well i mean i just <laughs> but i appreciate the effort yeah and someone in the comments was like hey is there a way we can control f this thing or you know or, yeah and we don't really have like at least on this site a way for me to do that easily i mean i guess i can make a chart but that would be kind of boring and there wouldn't even be any bar graphs in it if it was just like mm-hmm. a sort just like a table yeah right um, but at least, you know, it gives you an opportunity to scroll and find where your current SSD sits and compare that with, you know, the SSD that we just reviewed. Um, also kind of a statement on the SSD market. 
It's a little wide. Uh, yeah, yeah. But if you look at the top, um, yeah. If you look at the top chart on that page, Ken. Um, yeah. So burst random access. So we're relying more on the lower Q depth. Um, you know, performance the stuff you would typically see in client workloads, right? You have. You look at the random read, which is the blue bars there. Like it's it's good. Speed's good. Uh, it's faster than a 600p, but it you know it gets beat slightly by the you know the other competing uh, SSDs in the space, right? You got a RD400 doing something like I don't know about 10% faster. So, and it's not much faster than a 850 Pro at random. Yeah, that's a SATA drive. Um, that's rough. Yeah. I mean, in its defense, a lot of the NVMe parts don't necessarily go much faster than a good SATA part mm-hmm. in this particular test because, again, it's low Q depth. You know, the flash memory is only so fast. It's, yeah. it's The controller can only do so much when the flash takes X amount of time, uh, regardless of what controller it's connected to. But, so, I mean, let's say I wouldn't expect this drive to be selling for MSP at MSRP for very right, long. Right. Um, if it gets anywhere close i mean like 50 cents a gig it becomes a way more attractive yes. option yeah. at that point and yeah maybe you don't have an m.2 slot on your motherboard or it's kind of in a weird spot and not accessible because you're blocking it with something want to use the pcie slot extra pcie slots on your motherboard it looks really nice yeah and and in that respect i kind of like consider that a, a negative like because there have been other ssds like rd400 ships like with a interposer with an interposer board yeah. uh a lot of the other ones do too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, those are just M.2 form factors on an interposer, which if you really, you know, once you bought it and used it as a half-height, half-length, like add-in card kind of thing for a while, and then say you upgrade your motherboard, now you got M.2, and sure. you don't, you don't want to have that card. You could just, you yeah. know, take the other part off the card, just mount or, it on your motherboard. Or if you got a, got a laptop, you could put it in that. Yeah. But a lot you, more flexibility. But you can't do that with this. Yeah. Right? Um, so, you know. That's unless you're very good at desoldering <laughs> and making your own new PCB. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I gave it a gold award because it's the coolest looking SSD that I've probably seen to date. It is really cool. Uh, it is really awesome looking. All the price has got to do is come down a little bit to make it a little more practical, right? But that's why I'm kind of. Kind of down on it because the perform. I was kind of expecting the performance to be a little bit better. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it does okay in sequentials, but again, like it's getting beat by some of these drives. So I don't know. Whenever I see a brand new, you know, n- newer model controller from a company, and I just kind of expect it to come out swinging a little more, especially if it's mounted to like a badass looking <laughs> uh, chassis like this one was. All right, uh, what do we got next? Uh, I think that's it. No, no other news happened this week. Oh, that's it. Nothing no, else. Yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so Vega, we've been wanting to know about Vega for ages. We had Vega FE, which does not stand for Founders Edition; it's Frontier Edition. And we had some interesting results. It was power hungry. It didn't perform all that well. It did nice things in in terms of productivity content that we were able to test, and and certainly it. it Provided like the Titan X, Titan XP, with some good competition in those 
certain areas. But gaming is not fantastic. Didn't bode well for uh, RX Vega. So after many little leaks and finally getting the stuff, we we were able to to benchmark it. And it turned out to be not that bad in terms of performance. But the caveat is they're hot cards and they pull a lot of power. And have I mentioned that they're hot cards? And when they get really hot, they tend to drop performance a little bit, as as Ken has has probably tested. So essentially, we've got the RX Vega 56. That's probably a product that is closest to what they were expecting the clock speeds to kind of be for the chip. It's the most efficient of the group of RX Vegas. It's running at about 220 watt, 210 watt TDP. And uh, that's not horrific. That's 15 watts less than the 1080 Ti. However, its performance is only at the 1070 level. GTX 1070, RX Vega 56, they kind of trade blows in in many instances. Some things like uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, we see some extreme differences in between them. AMD doesn't do us well. But in a lot of other applications, the, the 1070 is very comparable to the RX Vega 56. Now, the RX Vega 56 is what? Supposedly a 399 part? Can you buy it at 399? Well, it's not out yet, so you can't buy it at all. That's true. You can't. (laughs) So, you know, we kind of got teased by the RX Vega 56 because it was, you know, a solid part for a good price, and it was not insanely more power-hungry then the GTX 1070, 1070 is what, 150, 160 watts TDP? That's all um, right. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in that, that area. And uh, now remember, and I have to always say this when talking about TDPs, TDPs is thermal dissipation, and it's not actually power draw. However, if you look at power draw, TDPs kind of are in the ballpark of what you would expect. So... Now that we've got out of that way, we don't have to respond to 50 different uh, YouTube uh, comments about it. Let's move forward. The RX 64 is the full-fat version of Vega. Um, everything is enabled. Still got 8 gigs of memory. Uh, it's kind of interesting that we've we've only got 8 gigs, so it's two stacks per group of HBM2 as compared to the four stacks that the Vega FE editions had and, and 16 gigs. So we're already seeing a little, uh, you know, uh, um, cost savings there. However, this is a 499 product that you cannot buy at this current time for 499. And there are some rumors that the 499 price was just going to be an introduction or an introductory price. And uh, after this, you, you can't, but potentially buy it. We don't know all of the uh, the information about that. But it's troubling, concerning, I don't know. The RX of Vega 64 is about as fast as the 1080. However, you are taking a pretty significant jump in power up to around 290 to 300 watts. When you're looking at this puppy, for the same performance as a 1080 gives at around uh, 175 
want TDP. And you're paying more for it. I mean, you're, you've got the same performance, same memory um, amount, but it's running hotter. It's pulling more power. It requires uh, just the 56 and the 64 and the 64 water, water-cooled all require 2x8 PCIe power pins. And again, we, we see the same thing in performance. It, it trades below with the 1080s, uh, loses out on a couple other things. Um, you know, maybe some drivers could potentially help in this. I mean, it is a new part. But yeah, Grand Theft Auto is is just, that's like the worst case scenario yeah. for AMD. But, you know, everything else was pretty decent. Um, the water-cooled really gave kind of the, the best performance. Yes, you you did increase the power drain and draw to, what, about 350 watts. The water cooling kept it from uh, dropping down in speed too terrible much when things got warm. And it performed well, but it did not perform anywhere near the GTX 1080 Ti. Throughout pretty much everything, that is the card to beat. And when we look at the water-cooled version of Vega RX, well, RX Vega, it's right in there in terms of price. And uh, again, we're looking at AMD's little bundling thing where you know they add 100 bucks to the price, but you get money off from motherboard, CPUs, um, monitors, all of those things. Games. And a pair of games. How exciting is that? I mean, at least they're decent games. Yeah. So it's such an odd little release. We're glad that AMD did this. If they can actually supply the market with what they demand, people will they'll buy it. Uh, there's a lot of AMD fans out there. There are a lot of people who won't care if, if, if their computer pulls an extra 100 watts. As compared, you know, cooling is is not horrific. You still have next generation HBM2 memory that uh, is pretty fast. Not as fast as the GDDR5X on the 1080 Ti, but pretty dang close. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at the design, I think there came some rumors that a pretty significant amount of the transistor budget was aimed at increasing the overall clock speed. So as we know from like CPUs, if you increase the number of stages, you're going to be able to increase the clock speed of the part. Um, unfortunately, you know, power draw goes up and you may not get kind of the, the, the scaling efficiencies that you would hope for, but you are going to increase your, your clock speed. And AMD obviously felt that they, they had a good part with uh, you know fury but if they could expand that and increase the the uh, the clock speed all the while retaining around the same size and the hbm2 memory that they thought that they would have a winner on their hands but it didn't seem like they were able to increase the clock speed as much as they were hoping um the power <laughs> consumption increased you know significantly um, they have some cooling issues. HBM2 memory, not the panacea that I think that people were hoping for. Um, 
it's running not nearly as fast as it's supposed to. And they've only got two stacks of it versus four. What would a four done? I don't know. But now you're in, you're entering into interposer size issues. If you went ahead and had something the size of the RX Vega GPU and, you know, put on four of these, you know, HPM chips. I don't know. I mean, AMD is not a dumb company. There's a lot of really smart people working there. Uh, they've obviously taken a look at their products pretty severely and put out what they thought was the best combination of price, performance, and power consumption with what they had. And unfortunately, this is this is what they have. It's not perfect. It's not great. It's competitive in terms of performance with what NVIDIA has, but it's hard to compete in terms of power. And that's kind of where we're sitting. And AMD so far has not been able to satisfy demand of these products. Everything's pretty much sold out or they're really priced high or you've got to buy these rather extreme bundles to to be able to get them in the first place. What do you guys think about this now that I've prattled on for about 10 minutes and have hardly taken a breath? I can't help but think that if we were having this discussion 12 months ago, we would be More like excited. just ecstatic to yeah. see AMD come out with something like this uh, because it, they, it, they'd fallen so far behind for so long that, you know, this product compared to their previous generations is a nice jump. It's just hard to be really, really excited when NVIDIA's had cards out for a year, a little bit more than a year, that match the performance, in some cases beat the performance and do it more efficiently. But it is really nice to see AMD coming out with something that can actually, you know, compete against, uh, not the TI, but the the other two top tiers from NVIDIA. So there is hope for the future. It's just, I, I can't help but wish this was 12 months ago. Yeah, I mean, it's a year and three months since the GTX 1000 series came out from NVIDIA. And that's a long time. That's it's like seven years in human years, you know. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's amazing. They they still their power efficiency is is so much greater to provide the same amount of performance. You know, AMD has had hard times. There's no getting around that. They've you know the graphics guys have kind of been keeping them afloat while the CPU is foundered. But I think that AMD probably did a lot of R and D and money development towards CPUs to get them competitive again while the GPU side is just kind of trolling along. And mm-hmm. and you know, they're they're keeping competitive but not overwhelming the competition in any way, shape, or form. But now we have Ryzen. And I think that the more we see the Ryzen, the the more improved and mature the motherboards and uh, foundations are for these chips, the more popular they're becoming because they they offer a lot of threads for the money. They've got highly improved IPC. And now we've got Threadripper came out that pretty much everybody has given very, very high accolades. And now hopefully AMD can kind of start shunning some of that money and some of that development to uh, to the graphics side and getting them more up to speed to be competitive. Now, the other questions we have is, 
is this a design issue or is it a foundry issue? Because they're using Global Foundry's 14 nanometer, uh, what, LPP, I believe, Low Power mm. um, Pro or something like that. Um, it's the same, I believe, as what they use for Ryzen. Ryzen can go up to 4 gigahertz, but it can't really scale much higher than that. Uh, CPUs and GPUs, obviously very different in how they handle uh, pipelines and and threading and all that. And so you're looking at 1.6 gigahertz for, you know, kind of the max speed of, of, of Vega that to get there, they had to apply a lot of power to. And so I kind of wonder how much is the process holding them back? Would they have been better off going with, say, Samsung or but they've just bitten the bullet, made something a little bit smaller, but gone with TSMC, which apparently, because, and, and I'm kind of going into some ephemeral things here, their 16 nanometer FinFET technology is more based off of the geometry of their 20 nanometer parts, mm. but with FinFET added. And so... Um, there is some discussion that their transistor switching performance, because you've kind of got some of these bigger structures that can handle a little bit more power, a little bit more efficiently and with less leakage, um, even though it would cause a larger die size, the transistor performance and the efficiency is going to be a lot higher than what Global Foundries offers at, at 14 nanometer. So... You know, we've got a lot of guesswork to go there. We'll probably never know. I don't think that AMD is ever going to, you know, send a design that's synthesized for TSMC's 16 nanometer and seeing what they get. They'd probably be more interested in the upcoming 10 nanometer stuff. But then you got Global yeah. Foundries moving on to 7 nanometer. And it's just, what do you do? There's there's a lot of decisions to be made. And I'm not the one making them. But overall, God. let's... Let's close this up. Vega, competitive, hot, a little expensive right now, but at least they're competitive at the higher end. Anybody else? I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. It'd be nice if you could yeah. buy one, but I mean, it's not like also true. shortages then, at a GPU launch or something that we haven't seen in the past and then or you, for and every then, GPU launch. And then when you can buy one, I'm not too hot on the whole you know, package deal thing. That they're doing but well i mean so that was probably to stop the miners from getting a hundred percent of the cards no i get no, it it's so, coming I mean, down to about 98 percent of the cards but still <laughs> yeah. if you get it you, you, you buy the package you can actually get your hands on one because it it's an industry problem right now it doesn't matter whether it's nvidia or amd the cards are not selling for their msrp and for the most part you can't even find the damn things yeah but but the the package deals that are the only ones in stock, the only Vega 64s in stock on Newegg, aren't how the Radeon package deal is supposed to work. It's right. supposed to be a $100 MSRP increase in which you get a discount code for a motherboard and a CPU or a monitor. They're not supposed to be bundling them in. You're supposed to be able to buy the GPU for, what, what's it, $599 instead of $699 instead of $599? I don't Plus $100. $599 and... Whatever the are you saying it's supposed to like two hundred bucks on the water? You're supposed to be able to buy just the GPU for a hundred dollars more and not have to buy the other items. You get a discount code for the other items, right? But the way Newegg is doing it is they're just bundling everything together so that the cheapest 
uh, Vegas 64 you can buy is $1,000 and also comes with the monitor. Oh. Which isn't the way this program is supposed to work. Yeah, they're really And AMD is not happy about it from what I've seen. Well, yeah, because who who wants to necessarily buy a monitor just to buy the... Just to buy a GPU? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, Newegg seems to not be... They're probably not moving that many of them either. Oh, no, they sold out. Oh, uh, no, not the bundles. I don't know if you can still get the bundles. I haven't looked today. Oh, really? Today. You still got the bundles? I haven't looked mm. today. Yeah, like if you bundle a graphics card with a specific monitor, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. That stops the idiots from buying a G-Sync monitor with it. Well, <laughs> well I, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, if there's one other thing to take from this, now that, that AMD is showing the world what they've got, NVIDIA's probably... Pushing Volta back and saying, you know, there's no need to no need to release this out. Let's just shell the crap. We'll go pick up self-driving car companies and start playing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's buy another soft modem company and then, you know, (laughs) write that off a couple of years later because we're having fun doing it. Josh, was that a confirmed rumor that they are pushing NVIDIA's lineup back to next year? No, it's no there's no confirmation, but why what, would they? There was, well, what's the what, rush there, now? There was what, like, what was, I forget what publication was. It was like PC World or someone had an article saying that it wasn't going to come out this year. But I couldn't tell, like, if it was confirmed or not. They had quotes from Jensen, but they referred to it as being from the last financial calls in the beginning. And then they also oh, had, I saw, I saw they also article. had things I couldn't tell if were direct quotes at the bottom. It was not a very clearly written article and it didn't sound like they had an actual statement. No, probably not. I don't know why. Yeah. No, I don't know why you would. Yeah. There's, there's no reason that NVIDIA is going to, they're going to relax. I mean, they're not going to lay on their laurels, rest on them. They're going to sell some GV 100s. They're going to sell the many as their current stock as they possibly can before introducing the next stuff. And I'm I'm guessing probably spring they're going to do it. And AMD's not going to have anything yet uh, to compete. So why not? Yeah. Milk it. All right. Uh, next. Samsung uh, portable SSD T5. Um so we've reviewed the T1 and the T3 in the past. These are just portable USB SSDs. Um, Why do not, we only review the odd ones? Uh, you know, we just don't like the even ones. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah, it's, you know, pet peeve of mine. <laughs> um, so the T1 it's and the Star T3... Trek law. Huh? It's a Star Trek law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, only, only the, the odd, odd ones, ones are good. Yeah. Um, T1 and T3 were uh, USB... 3.0 or you could call them 3.1 gen 1 is that accurate uh, kind of the same thing 5 gigabit it's not quite the same thing it's just as far as the speed you get it's the same thing yeah it's okay. the improved encoding type on gen yeah. 1 versus usb 3.0 yeah, yeah yeah so in theory it's different um so those first two models were were basically the same uh, slight design changes. They went from uh, thinner plastic housing to a slightly thicker aluminum housing when they went from the T1 to the T3. Um, but, I mean, it was basically the same. Like, there's a, there's an MSATA um, SSD, like Evo-style SSD inside there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So as you might expect, I mean, performance is pretty good, uh, except for the fact that you were limited to five gigabits on those first two models to come out and you had a six gigabit SATA part in there. So you were kind of losing a gigabit. Yeah. Um, so you weren't necessarily getting the full performance of it. Um, uh, T5 uh, takes care of that. Has a newer version of the Asmodee chip in there. Uh, what is that model number? It was extremely hard to read off of the chip as well. Uh, it is the Asmedia ASM235CM, which uh, you can't even really find data sheets or anything out on yet. Like, it's the only mention of it is like on the overseas Asmedia mm. site. Uh, they don't even have a listing on the English site yet. Um, but basically, that's the USB 3.1 Gen 2 like client-side controller that's supposed to go with... Uh, there's another newer version of the... like There's a second version of their host yeah. host controller that mm-hmm. you were talking about it, uh, earlier this week to me. Um, so those two kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. This is just, you know, the the other end uh, of that equation. Uh, aside from that, basically still the same kind of formula, uh, still an MSATA part plugged in. Uh, I, th- I think that's extremely handy for data recovery purposes because if the controller does fail, um, you know, the, the USB to SATA controller at least, or any of the other uh, supporting electronics within that package, you can open it up, you can pull the MSATA part out of it, and you can recover your data. Um, sure. Yeah. 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 And that applies even if you have turned the encryption on. As long as you have the tool installed on the PC, it sees the drive, whether it's a SATA hmm. drive or hmm. a USB drive. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's kind of like they thought it through the correct way from the very get-go. Like the, from the T1, this it worked that way. Yeah. Um, you can, of course, it comes with the encryption disabled. Uh, but there's a piece of software in the root of the drive. When you first plug it in, you can install it, and then you can enable the encryption if you want. Um, I think the T1 came with the encryption enabled, and there were a bunch of people that griped about that. So the T3 and the T5 both just come as open drives, and then if you want to uh, turn on encryption, you can. Um, if it is encrypted and you plug the drive into a PC, um, you get like a... It's like kind of like a hidden partition. It's like a little tiny, you know, few megabyte partition on the yeah. drive. I think if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see uh, kind of what that looks like. There it is. That, uh, oh, has a setup for the application on it. Yeah, just and it only has the mm-hmm. the installer. So there's a, so there's a, two copies of the installer on this drive. There's one copy on that partition. There's another copy on the the actual full partition for when it is decrypted. In other words, so regardless mm-hmm. of which way you in, in yeah. what mode it's in, you can get to the application right. Um, there's a text file. This was kind of complicated. There's a text file in the root directory of the encrypted partition that says, this is a read-only partition. Uh, you can edit that file. So... <laughs> Not so much, then. Um, the, yeah, it's uh, it kind of broke my brain for a split second there, but uh, it's not a read-only partition. It's just that you know you can't really put anything on it because there's like no extra room, or at least a tiny bit of extra room. But I would totally rename that file to, like, you know please check here or something, or if you found this, like if found dot text or something, and then inside there put like your contact info. Yeah, that's a pretty right? good idea. Um, it, so if somebody does find it and it's encrypted, well, they're not going to get your stuff back. Yeah. So you might as well just, you know, find the person and give it back to them, right? Yeah. Or you have an Android app? Uh, is this portable SSD software for Android dot text? 
I think I assume so. It's a link. Yes, you know. Yeah, I think you can connect it because it's Type C. Yeah. Um. So I think you can, and it comes with a C to C cable. Mm-hmm. So you could do on the go style, I believe, to Android with huh. with this. Um, Does it have and, enough space for a don't forget this password dot txt? <laughs> yeah, sticky note dot txt. And it has the yeah. password in it. Um, performance, uh, as you might expect, it was going faster. It was going like SATA six gigabit speeds, basically, um, minus you know whatever the overhead you see off of USB. Um, it is UA- UASP type controller, of course. So that means you can get queued commands. That means you can, you know, basically get the full, pretty much the full speed you would get as if you were connected uh, natively over SATA, minus a little bit of latency, uh, minus a little bit more latency. Apparently, if you're testing this on a Ryzen slash Threadripper platform, which is what I did for the first few tests, because that was just the test bed we had up and running. Uh, if you notice, like the 4K random performance on those charts there. Sitting at around um, 64 meg per second mm-hmm. ish, right? But if you scroll down to the Intel controller, uh, Intel USB 3.0 controller, uh, it's doing about twice that. It's like almost 120, huh. 110 meg per second for 4K random. Um, and that was with like a really, you know, it's i5 4440 or something that's in just like the machine i used to write on mm-hmm. and stuff right yeah with. so like a barn burner it, yeah i mean it's just you know just this older i mean that was one of those uh budget systems that ryan bought from best buy or something mm-hmm. at one point right so if a budget intel system is able to do twice the 4k random performance with this thing plugged into it versus even the uh, even the higher end as media 3.1 gen 2 controller um on this threadripper platform then the common denominator there is well the Threadripper platform, like well, something also with the, the controller, is completely different. True, but I so tested the controller and the platform are completely different. Right, but I tested on the other controller as well on that platform. I but, tested on the 3.0 and the 3.1 controller. But it should have native native USB 3.0 from the chipset, right? For Intel, no. For AMD, oh well, I didn't test on that controller. I didn't plug it into yeah. that one. Be interesting. Um, I will say that uh, the Asmedia USB 3.0 controller that we've tested in the past versus the Intel controller, 3.0 controller, uh, didn't have that problem with the 4K mm-hmm. random. So it's I wouldn't blame it on the Asmedia chip specifically. Yeah. Um, so that kind of only leaves like you know the rest of the platform, something about it. Um, and it's not the first time we saw latency kind of impacting uh, smaller, uh, f- smaller transfer size random access because when we tested... When I did the storage testing on the original Ryzen review, yeah, uh, we saw the same kind of thing. You know, we saw latency percentile plot basically the whole cur- the whole S curve just kind of shifted to the right mm-hmm. some. Um, so, not really sure the exact cause of that, but uh, I will say, like when you do a transfer, like an I/O to a storage device, like it has to go to memory. That's where it goes. Yeah, and right. then and then the program has to read it from the memory. So. You know, if you have any kind of memory latency thing going on there, uh, and it's not really something you can optimize further because it's—I mean, it's—it's it's about as optimized as you can get it already. It's not like a game that's doing thread-to-thread communications. It's just read 4K, put it. You know, when you tell the kernel <laughs> to read it, it just sticks it in memory, and then it tells the application that it's ready. Yeah. So something about that 
is slower on Ryzen slash Threadripper um, compared to Intel platforms. Anyway, um, pricing uh, was cheaper than the uh, NX500. <laughs> Weird, huh? <laughs> um, Still not good enough. I mean, the pricing is, uh, you know, I mean, it's in line with other Samsung products. Uh, this this product might be a little bit cheaper to make for Samsung because it's using the newer 64 layer, the version 4 um, VNAND. Mm-hmm. 64 layer, uh, however, even though when Samsung announced that they were like, hey, we can uh, fit 512 gigabit per die on this, well, these dies are only 256 gigabit dies. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, it's more economical to make those because the dies are smaller. You could fit, fit more on a wafer. You don't have to worry about the edges or bad, you know, a yeah. defect has yeah, half of the impact, right? Um, so that just seems to be the way that they're mass producing it, basically. Um, that goes for a lot of vendors, like even the Intel, the IMFT, like 3D stuff. They'll, they'll make it in a smaller size, but they'll be able, they'll just stack them higher or just put more dies. Yeah. Know. It I also mean, kind of makes if up If you for, only have one package for 250 gigs and you have some, like, if you yeah. can get it down that low, you have some room to play with. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need the density. Yeah, and Samsung stacks them, like, they'll stack them eight high yeah. in a package. Um, you know, I mean, the, the uh, what was it? The 500 gig version uh, only had two packages. Yeah. On the on the M dot or the M SATA style mm-hmm. thing. Um, so that's 250 gig per package, right? Uh, two terabyte model, which we also tested, uh, basically similar performance to the 500 gig. Um, so that's going to be obviously more dies, mm-hmm. you know, and more packages yeah. on top of that. Um, yeah, that's cool. You know, 40 cents a gig across the board until you get to the, the bottom capacity, which is, uh, a little bit higher, 52 cents a gig. Um, because you're all the way down to like 130 bucks. So once you, you know, it would be a hundred dollars, but it's kind of like when you get that low in price, you're paying $30 just for like the nifty anodized aluminum housing and all the other snazzy stuff it is nice from a yeah, build it's an, perspective it's, an, it's a really nice build you know it's it's very similar to the t3 um now it's all aluminum doesn't have a little black cap at the end like the t3 did um you know yeah i mean nice drives um and uh i mean that's about all there is to say about that uh oh yeah the bottom two capacitors are blue. The top two capacitors are black. That's annoying. Yeah. I think they're kind of banking on the screws? typical, like, like people will typically probably go for the 500 gig, but I think they're kind of banking on, oh, but I don't like blue. That blue is uh, a nice looking uh, blue. Though. It is a nice like looking blue, blue, but I like that blue more. Maybe they're like, uh, yeah, so you want two terabytes like in the, mm-hmm. in the blue model? I can't afford it, but that'd be nice. <sighs> well, yeah, it's $800. Yeah. Two terabytes. That's a lot of dollars. Ain't nobody got that kind of money. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to an external drive, like if you if you need to carry a bunch of stuff with you, like I tend to not trust just the little tiny thumb drives that you know kind of have cheesy controllers and you don't necessarily know how good the flash is going to be because it's just some kind of budget, you know, really cheap, mm-hmm. you know, really cheap thumb drive. Um, on the flip side, I wouldn't want to put one of these through the wash. Like I wouldn't expect it, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. expect these to work if they went through the wash if they were accidentally left in your pocket. Um, but performance is really speedy. You know, just don't wash it. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, what do we got next? Something uh, that might cost a little more than eight hundred dollars yeah, at the high end. These cost a little bit more than eight hundred dollars on the high end. Um, so uh, we got three uh, different posts from Flash Memory Summit. Um, there would have been more, but uh, the, the 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 kind of place kind of caught on fire. Um, literally, like while oh I was man, there. is that interesting? Every it was on fire. That's what the kids are saying. Now, yeah, right? the Flash Memory was on fire. Um, so it was kind of annoying because this is the first Flash Memory Summit that I was speaking at. So I, you know, show up. Like, there seems to be a common link here. Yeah, I show up, I get ready to like, you know, okay, let's go to the room and figure it out. And like, none of the rooms are open because there was a fire at like two in the morning, like the, the morning of when I was supposed to do my talk. And like the whole place was still shut down. And apparently like the, you know, big expo hall, like it's a pretty large expo hall for, mm-hmm. you know, Santa Clara Convention Center. And apparently this booth is like right in the middle. Of, of the expo hall, or at least where the fire was. It was between two booths. It was like the InnoDisk booth and like the SanDisk booth. SanDisk, ironically, makes a hard drive called the Fire Cuda. Mm. Just mm. thought I would bring that up. Yeah. Um, but again, it had nothing to do with either company, supposedly. It was just something in the electrical, like electrical fire providing power to the booths. Um, Were they using Vega? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so apparently it burned for a while, uh, long enough to set off some of the fire extinguisher things like in the ceiling. Which in that expo hall are probably like fifty feet up. Um, Get a bit of a wide. So it basically you know, rained right, into the middle of the expo hall yeah. for, as far as I understand it, three hours before they could get the water shut off. Oh shit! Um, which meant that nobody was allowed in. Yeah. So yeah. you had all. This was the morning that they were supposed to open the expo hall. So basically, mo- the majority of everybody's exhibits and things to show off were all set up in there. Uh, and the floor was drenched, and the electrical runs through the floor of that expo hall, so basically the fire marshal shut it down. Nobody's allowed to go in. Yeah. Not even the vendors who have millions and millions of dollars of equipment that they're trying to show to people and the press at the show. Yeah. Meaning that they couldn't even go in and take their stuff out. It turns out that they're not impervious to electrocution either. Right, but, you know, rubber boots or something and just get a guy to just grab a bunch of stuff and give it to companies or something. But So basically, the stuff was all locked up. Nobody could see it. So the only stuff you've managed to see trickle out of Flash Memory Summit as far as things happen to be displayed is just either the company procrastinated and hadn't sent their stuff up yet. And then they were extremely lucky. (laughs) It pays off in the end, doesn't it? Because then it paid off for them in the end, yeah. Um, Because they still had their gear and they can still show it, right? Um or if they just, you know, had some extra stuff that they could try to show. But there were an awful lot of companies in briefing rooms where you, usually we would see stuff set up and they couldn't because it was still in boxes in the expo hall or still like at their booth. Yeah. So it. And if you see a bunch of specials on uh, eBay for specially fire roasted memory, don't buy it. Yeah. This is broken in. No. And I mean, so much water was dumped out in there where there was like a hallway that went around the perimeter of the expo hall and the carpet was squishy. <laughs> Like so, there must have been a lot of gallons of water. How many millions of dollars? Like, they not mentioned only the it, oh, yeah. so the they mentioned itself, undermine mentioned the chat. Like, that's an insurance nightmare. How do you even begin to settle that? I don't know, but well, the fortunate you part get, is that the the water sprinklers only directly above that booth turned on. Yeah. Right, so there was like different zones, right? So the only mm-hmm. one that's that, a good system. The only one that went <laughs> was impressed. just limited to directly above. Yeah. Um, you know, the InnoDisc slash uh, SanDisc. And, or not SanDisc, sorry. Uh, Seagate. Um, 
I mean, I'm sure Seagate's equipment probably got pretty wet. Likely. It was, it was yeah. sitting like right there. Uh, I, and, I the Inodisc the stuff basically burned to the ground. I mean, it was basically just like, yeah, done. Um, but, you know, they were kind of, again, like in the center of the area with other stuff around them like that did not get water poured on them. Anything that was a ground level probably was, you know, fair game to the – I'm sure there was probably you know, Alan, this, water. This is fascinating. Fascinating. Utterly. What? I'd like to hear about the Micron 9200. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, Micron 9200 uh, Enterprise SSD. So we tested the 9100 series, um, and uh, it kind of beat the pants off of the off of Intel's Enterprise offerings. Um, the 9100, though, was still using planar NAND memory. It wasn't using the newer 3D stuff. So 9200 series... Basically, it's just a transition to 3D NAND. Uh, most of the specs are very similar, if not identical. You know, I mean, you're talking like slight increases in a couple places, but, you know, nothing groundbreaking there, except for the fact that they now have a by 8 in the half-height, half-length form factor. So they're doubling the throughput that the controller is able to speak to the host. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you completely... Du- you know, double the specs because, again, you know, you still have only so much flash and the controller can only go so fast internally. Um, but it does increase your, uh, you know, your possible IOs per second to 900,000, which is a slight increase over the 800,000-ish. And we actually saw that on 9100 as well. I mean, I think that one did like 700 or 800,000 mm-hmm. uh, IOPS. Uh, throughput goes up to 5.5 gig per second now on the by 8 That's a lot of uh, gigabytes. That's a lot of gigabytes and per second. Not a lot of time. Uh, it's true. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, so they're just. Uh, I'm more happy to see them going with a by eight interface. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, than just the move to 3D. The move to 3D, granted, is going to make it more cost effective for them to produce these things in the future. That's that's all good and fine. But yeah, yeah, enterprise parts. You know, I really. If you're going to put a, a something other than a U.2 into your system, and you're going to put the actual card in there, you should probably let it use by eight, if not even more. So yeah, I'm all for it. Let's um, let's use as much bandwidth as we can take advantage of. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, these are really pricey to the point where I don't even think they had prices in their uh, press yeah. release. I mean, it doesn't sound like if you have to ask. That, yeah. Your company can't can't afford them. I mean, you know, the the flash itself. You're realizing you're paying cost per gig, but you're paying cost per gig with drives that are very over provisioned. Right. So there's just excessive amounts of extra flash on these things in order to help uh, keep your random access, uh, like your random rights high Mm -hmm. um, because you're just spreading it over more flash. So uh, we'll probably look at those in the near future, but uh, not yet. Next up, uh, Samsung. So they announced a few things at their keynote. Um, They talked about VNAND and how, uh, Hey, look, we're, we expect uh, VNAND to go all the way up to like version 10. So probably for five more flash memory summits, we're going to hear about whatever their next iteration of their flash thing is related with stacking, you know, 3D NAND. And again, these were the first guys to really come out and start it in the first place with the whole VNAND thing. Um, I think they kind of cheated this time a little bit because their quote unquote V5, V4 was 64 layer, right? Um, V5 they're not saying it's any more layers. They're saying, oh, we're just making it four bits per cell. So, yeah, it's kind of cheating. 
in my opinion. Like I was kind of expecting more layers since it's pretty much been more layers each time that they've done another version. Um, but it does uh, bring what they're claiming their die capacity to uh, one terabit per die. So it's 128 gig on a single die. And realize Samsung stacks these as high as 16 in the package. <laughs> um, like this two and a half inch, oh, 128 terabyte 128 SSD. terabyte, uh, two and a half inch four factor SSD. Yeah. Um, That's a Dagwood sandwich yeah, I, in a drive. I, I would like one of those, please. <laughs> 128 yeah. terabytes. In now, granted, that's not like a seven millimeter. Okay, that's going to be like I think the ten and a half or the twelve millimeter kind of oh. package there. You know, yeah. I, I think I've got settled. I've got room I mean, in my case, and I actually think I can fit that, it in. I actually think that's also like um like a, a SAS style connection too. I don't even think that's. I'll buy a raid card. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just you just, you just put eight of those in an array, right? <laughs> I need no like an NVMe cable to go to this thing. Well, I mean, they'll probably make one that's like a U.2, I would imagine. But their previous ones that they've done uh, in high capacities have been like SAS style. Think how so, long that take to fill even at 12 gig SAS. Um, yeah. <laughs> take you a while. Even if it was dual channel. I mean, which they are, but... Mm. Okay, anyway. Um, so I've got to ask this, Alan. Do when what? you went to visit Intel at this thing, did they take out their ruler and start wrapping your knuckles? Hold on, we're not there yet. There's other stuff. There's other Samsung oh, stuff. damn. Everyone's inventing a form factor. Okay, so Sam- Samsung is... Uh, well, we're not even at the form factor yet. Ah. So Samsung has this thing that they call Xenand, which is supposed to be their counterpart to Intel uh, or into to 3D Crosspoint, Intel slash Micron, right? Um, even though we haven't really seen it in a lot of stuff, they're already on the second generation of it mm. which is interesting and second generation of it for them means that they're at multi-level cell now huh. but that's a kind of a flash term oh, but they it's got not the supposed to be and the I mean, but, it's, but it, it's not supposed to be fl- it's kind of flash is this phase change no so it's low latency flash yeah so it can't be multi-cell sure it can be yeah, yeah. do they yeah. have cells going into the fourth dimension on this um, no. Okay, that's anyway. too bad. Zenand is is yeah yeah, yeah. Zenand. Moving right along. Until I see that in like some legit products, then you know whatever. Um, next generation small form factor, which is ironic because M.2 was next generation form factor, which was later renamed to M.2. Mm-hmm. Next generation small form factor is actually larger and wider. Than M.2. So I don't know how small really. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so NGSFF is a new form factor. Uh, it's basically a wider version of a M.2 110 millimeter, which is the longest you'd probably see on an M.2. If you've seen those motherboards that had that extra post that seemed longer. Which a lot don't have. Which a lot don't have, but uh, usually they're uh, 22 millimeters wide and 80 millimeters long for your normal M.2. This is 110 millimeters long. I think it's 50 millimeters wide, if I'm looking at that slide correctly. It's hard to read the number. Um, uh, it looks like 30. Is it 30? might be 30. Yeah, it looks like they're cramming it as, yeah, as much 30. as they can into a 1U. 30.5. Yeah, 30 and a half. Um, yeah, so the idea is you can lay these on, your, on their side and slide them, you know, kind of standing up on their edge uh, into a 1U chassis and get a whole bunch of storage in there. And granted, they're only going 110 millimeters deep. Um, you know, it leaves more room for you know, the. No, it's 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 not. 
the mm. depth. Yeah, I know, I know. It's I know. the motion of the IOPS. Yeah. Um, yeah. So going well, to lightning fast. Going to thirty millimeters wide lets them lay the packages side by side and have two rows of packages. <laughs> on them. <laughs> yep. Storagey. Uh, and the whole idea. Do you is, need any lubrication to get all thirty of those packages in exactly. in one U? So the whole idea is get a whole bunch of these things plugged into one U chassis, and you're just trying to get a lot of flash installed into a chassis to you know uh, presumably you know, put multiple of these one U chassis into a rack and just have an insane amount of flash. I'll, you know, how much, how much flash can you possibly fit in a thing? Right. Uh, up till now, most of what we've seen, uh, you know, we have IBM does like these crazy amounts, you know, crazy amounts of flash in a system. Typically at every, every, every FMS, there's an IBM 42 U rack just sitting in the middle of the shell floor somewhere. And they're like, Oh, this is like a petabyte or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. But all the modules are all like these proprietary things. They're not really interchangeable. They're not kind of doing any, you know, kind of a standard. Mm-hmm. So Samsung's trying to do a standard here and like, if, you know, yeah. NGSFF, right? Yeah, we'll see if so, that works. But, but you remember how there was the Intel versus the Blu-ray thing? Intel Sorry. versus Blu-ray? Uh, HDVD versus Blu-ray? I, I mixed my... Yeah, Microsoft. I got my, I got my peanut butter in your... And you're jealous. Whoa, 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 but what the hell? It's what much, are we doing here? Because it, it just looks like a roller. <laughs> We're always exaggerating. It kind of looks like a roller. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. All right. It's a subway. If Josh foot. was to use it for scale, he would say it was a foot. Well, probably foot and a half. Um. So what you get with this form factor, EDSFF? Uh, ironically enough, Samsung is also in the group that's part of this open standard. So why they had the other NGSFF thing? Why do they have to show off in front of that poor little guy? I don't. I don't yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Insert <laughs> insert appropriate XKCD comic here. About yeah, standards. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you scroll down to like maybe the fourth picture or so, you can see like what how much more flash you can get on that you know, expanded uh, diagram there, right? Uh, that particular one has even a bank of capacitors at the far end of it for uh, power loss protection. But if you really want to go crazy, you could have a whole bunch of, you know, flash packages down either edge, either, either side of that PCB. Uh, Intel says, like, the standard would be, like, 36 packages on there with uh, up to 42 if you really wanted to try to cram them on there and maybe not do the uh, power loss protection caps on there. as many as you can on it. Yeah, and they can actually get away with not having the power loss protection capacitors on the PCBs because there's extra pins that they've added to the standard that can actually be... Hmm. You can have external power hmm. loss protection being provided by the chassis. Yeah, that'd be a great thing to put in the back That's plane. smart. Right, it makes a lot of yeah. sense, right? Just put put much larger capacitors in the... There's more room for them in the back plane, right? Um, and, and just deal with it there, and then you, know, then you can just cram more flash into the ruler form factor things anyway, right? Um, also, pretty thick aluminum. Uh, at least one of the I, I looked at one of these in person. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of thin aluminum all around three edges of it, but then the fourth edge is a little bit maybe another millimeter or two thicker. Um, so really good heat dissipation is the point, 
right? You're trying to get mm-hmm. heat. Uh, they're, they're, Intel compared this to how much heat do you end up uh, getting off of like one of their U.2 drives. Uh, the U.2 drives is like a folded over PCB. It's like two PCBs with a ribbon uh, kind of kind yeah, of tacoed yeah. and, and kind of crammed in there. Um, so basically oh you, you can get away with 50 from an Intel's testing. <laughs> no, Josh, no. Intel's testing a yeah. 55% less airflow can cool the same parts just installed in the ruler form factor. So, uh, so would there... that be the ruler 36? Uh, it kind of it kind of doesn't matter because the the bulk of the heat's coming off the controller. Oh no, it really matters if it's ruler 36 or not. Oh, well. Um So is is the airflow around Someone will the get parts? that eventually. Yeah, the airflow is down is, through the parts. It's No, no, no. It's around. it's around them. Yeah, the ruler itself is just in, it's totally enclosed. And just the air, you know, the heat conducts through the aluminum to the outer shell of it. And then, you know, there's just air flowing past them. You just don't need very large air channels, right? right. Because you don't need that much air flow. Um, Makes sense. And another reason that they're showing this on that thermal efficient design thing, they're showing uh, their newer version of their enterprise part, um, which is, uh, oh, what is that? Uh, P4500 and P4600, which are going to be just like, you know, their their older uh, 3700 series, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a half-height, half-length, or U.2. Uh, the newer version of those is designed to be used in either the U.2 or the half-height, half-length, or the ruler. So all that same hardware that you see on a half-height, half-length, mm-hmm. you just rearrange all the stuff <laughs> and you stretch yeah. it out, and it just goes onto the ruler. Nice. Which is which is handy, right? From a design perspective, and from you don't have to re-engineer your product, other than just to changing the layout, right? Yeah. Um, you know, all the software will work if it was designed to run with the forty five hundred series. You know, mm-hmm. an interface with smart data or any of that other stuff. It's all electrically the same. Firmware is roughly the same, except for just you know the tweaks for the power loss protection changes and like the yeah. extra pin or whatever, right? So cool. Um, and they're claiming uh by what. Within next year, at some point, they will fit a petabyte into a one. Yeah. For 10 cents a gigabyte? Wow. That's cheap. No. Uh, well, <laughs> Ryan's not here, so. Probably like 100 cents a gigabyte at least. Uh, it probably wouldn't be that bad. Um, so well, this, this enterprise, mate. Intel's enterprise parts are actually kind of cost effective. Yeah, okay. I'll you know, like you they, they'll go for like around a dollar, but sometimes lower. And I imagine yeah. if you're you're kind of buying in bulk, if you're going to do a petabyte, yeah, you might get a little bit of a volume <laughs> I discount. I get there. a discount. <laughs> you know, so this makes the Samsung one look stupid. Yep. Like why? Uh, yeah, I I did think their comparison was really shady. There, they comparing it to one petabyte and a forty two U. They're only using two terabyte hard drives. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell uses two terabyte hard drives anymore in an enterprise? Can you, I mean, you can't even buy two terabyte hard drives anymore. Uh, yeah. I so think. I thought that was kind of yeah. yeah. But I get the comparison they're trying to make between like old generate like you sure. could do this in 2010 or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but you know, just the idea is just you know really high density, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, enterprise wants higher density, and you know, still be able to cool the things, which you can with this form factor, it'll work. So you know, it is what it is. Farewell, U.2. You were never really a thing. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on like a desktop enthusiast case to come out with like a roller slot in it. Although sure. I think that would be really cool. It would be. Um, but I mean, it's not like 
consumer SSDs are U.2 anyways, so... Like U.2 well, is only really in the in, enterprise. Intel would really want you to buy a U.2. Like they make the, the, the 750s. 750. Yeah, but who would buy a 750 these days? I know, and they even make an adapter that goes from M.2 to U.2, so you can well, use it in cool. the. You know, mm-hmm. they're really pushing hard. I don't know, but it, I, it makes sense to have something that is still like a drive to go in these cases that have drive bays. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. But anyway. You know, just higher density anywhere for Flash is good because it means there's going to be more of it being produced. And then, you know, Ryan's wish might eventually be fulfilled one Never. day. Yeah. Okay. We need to pull on when that's going to happen. I think we've already done that multiple times. <laughs> 2024. It's usually by the end of the year. Really? Yeah. By the end of the year. It's not going to be, not by the end of this year. Yeah, but we said that last year, too, so it's fine. But I didn't say that last year. So? That, means I, was, that means I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did modify it slightly. Hold on to that, Al. I said Hold on to that. that 10 to 19 cents counts. Oh, as 10 cents so one X, 1x per gig. 10 cent right. class per, per gig, and that's... Complicated, like when Intel launched two X nanometer flash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we did see a nineteen cent SSD last year, like a refurb. So we won. Okay, I mean, if you find a used SSD on eBay for ten cents a gig, it's not going to count. Uh, there, it's an aside, but I've seen people on like Reddit and YouTube and stuff talking about buying "quote unquote" broken like eight forty Evos off of ebay because there was a bug firmware no there was a bug where they were just completely dropped from the system and not present and there's a special routine you have to go through where you like plug it in and unplug it a certain amount of times in a certain sequence and it comes back to life and your firmware updated and it works <laughs> so people have been buying like 250 gig ssds for like 10 bucks on ebay that are quote-unquote that are broken. that are recoverable yeah sweet yeah. Then you probably get to see what their data is too after you do that. Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, next up, uh, EK Threadripper Supremacy Evo Water Box. Hey, you, you know Threadripper sounds like a thing that needs a larger water block. Do you like big blocks? Oh, it does. <laughs> I cannot lie. What? Supposed Look to at the that? size. No, of I'm never going to finish that picture. for you. Anyway, they're huge. Uh, yeah, those are pretty big water box. Yeah. There, there was an the original cold plate for most of them versus supremacy. Yep, yep, yep. 52 grooves. 52. Uh, 52 Think of the shipping 52 grooves. Yeah, you're paying, you're paying for the weight. <laughs> it's, it's a large, it's a rather large block. Um, that Every time I see that plastic one, I think back to Maury's review where he managed to crack the threads yep. of, of the clear acrylic. Well, that wasn't, I don't think that was That's a tall block. It, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a seedle. Okay. Acetyl. I'm just I'm just saying. I hear people say acetyl yeah. all the time, and it oh. bothers me. Well, that would but, be that would be how Jeremy. But it's Jeremy, it. so yeah. it doesn't matter. It was me. Yeah. yeah. Just gotta get that one. He knows it's pronounced acetyl. Does acetyl have any cache? Yeah. He chooses <laughs> to produce to pronounce it the other <laughs> way with the cache. Uh so you know that's good. Water box. Um. Yeah, uh, we're hey, still... they're going to be pre-ordering tomorrow. Hmm. Okay. Well, you in. can pre-order them now, but they'll ship on Friday. Oh. Yeah, but still, people are getting their thread represented, and that's awesome. Yeah. It was a 
pretty hard launch by AMD, and that's yeah. it's great. That almost yeah, looks like it's the, available. That almost looks like it's the same size cap as the other. It is. So it's are, a bigger cold plate. So are, so, the they're, cool so they're plate, still interchangeable. Like you could if you had like. Mm. I wouldn't suggest doing that. Yeah, no. they might not be because I don't think it's been drilled properly to mount it that way. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and the innuendos just keep rolling on. Yeah, yeah, and on. Uh, as what? as an aside, another aside. I'm just full of them this week. Not actual content. <laughs> uh, I was at Micro Center over the weekend, and they had Threader Pro processors, but they were sold out of X399 motherboards. Which is oh. just depressing. That sucks. Yeah, you could just you saw the, the the retail packaging, that nice foam box sitting there and behind the glass case, and just hey, couldn't do anything with it. At least the box looks. I good. bet you, if you'd bought a Vega, you could have got one. Yeah, maybe that package deal, yo. Are you a little tired, Alan? Yeah, Are you getting a little little musty eyed. Musty. musty eyed? Maybe you should move it along. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> Be careful. That's how you get pink eye. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up. Uh, so we, I've talked with Paul over at uh, Tinker Try a couple times. Uh, he and I usually uh, trade ideas and whatnot every so often. And uh, he managed to get his hands on Optane P4800X. And I'm kind of jealous because we don't have one. None of the review sites have one. Um, however, uh, Paul works for VMware. And, uh, you know, VMware is kind of high on the priority list of where Intel is going to ship some of the first engineering samples of this product for them to be able to code their tools and make their tools work properly with it. Since, you know, the whole the whole idea of uh, one of the big ideas of Optane is to be able to accelerate, uh, you know, enterprise applications, one of which a large one of which being uh, like ESX server for mm-hmm. VMware. So. Paul got to have his get his little grubby hands on one of those things and play around and install it in the system and you know he didn't do extensive testing because I think he's kind of leaving that for the reviewers which we already did a review of this we just didn't have it like in hand right um but cool cool to see what it looks like I mean we've only seen uh seen it in the Intel uh provided sample images before this yeah so it's nice to see it's it. an awful long label. Yeah. It almost goes the entire half height, half length. Yeah, it's a good thing it's a half height, half length uh, product there. They're compensating, obviously. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Jamaica and have a nice day, Mon. <laughs> oh, that's the ruler. Anyway, so uh, he, he has a couple of videos on, on his article there, uh, one of which is actually like trying to boot a system. Now, granted, it was like an enterprise OS. It was like a server OS on a system, so... Not necessarily going to boot like a like Windows 10 would, mm-hmm. you know, for like well, fast if boot. It's the new one. It's kind of similar. It, does it have fast boot though and stuff like that? Eh. Eh. <laughs> anyway, nah. it, it could. I mean, you know, it, it booted quick. Obviously, it's super low latency thing. It's probably more limited by CPU thread speeds than uh, than the storage itself at that point. Anyway, I encourage you to uh, check it out over at tinkertry.com. Uh, what what do we got next here? Depth sensing technology from Qualcomm challenges Apple. Depth sensing? Qualcomm Spectra. What is it? Is it sensing water? What is it? 
They, do you say depth? What do you got? Okay, how- so, you know, most uh, cameras are not stereoscopic. Yeah. But they're using light and infrared stuff to be bouncing around that they can actually start to do some depth sensing. Oh, so you're talking just distance from the camera. Yes. And then if you point the so camera down. So if you down, scroll up, you see two guys on two different planes holding things up. Which one's higher? Right. You don't really know. Right. You think the keyboard, I mean, if you've just got a fixed focal length or whatever, you, you know, the keyboard is same height as, as that thing. But no. Oh, so this thing is able to, to actually tell. Things. Yeah, so looking straight down yeah. at someone playing a keyboard. It's generating um, a point cloud, a 30 point cloud. Yeah, and they're able to what's tell. what's going on live, and you can view it from different angles. Yep. Yeah. And they're able to tell exactly, basically, like what keys they're pressing. Mm-hmm. Which would normally be tricky from looking at something straight down. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, it's. Even more interesting than that, too, and that, that's a perfect example of what it is. Uh, so Qualcomm is now selling these uh, as full hardware bundles. Uh, Tech Report also did a bit of coverage on it that I read. And so essentially Qualcomm has set up different sensor bundles, be it uh, you know a three sensor with just entry-level depth set, passive depth sensing to the triple one you just showed, uh, which is active depth sensing. And it bundles with firmware and software. So they'll give this to someone who's retailing cameras or a cell phone. And instead of them having to buy the sensors, figure out how the hell to work them together, get them to work with their operating system, Qualcomm's Spectra program is going to be a full-on, here you go, here's the hardware, here's the firmware, here's the software to run it. Go nuts. Yeah. But now you don't have to spend that time working on it. Huh. So it, it's not just hardware. It's it, And the hardware is pretty neat, too. But it's also a full program of they're handing a, a complete package off that works. Well, that'll certainly help with adoption. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you got to develop it yourself for this thing to ma- even make it work, like, that's that's really daunting. Yeah. Well, having the image sensor processor is an important part. Everything else is an important part as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To getting into being an actual product. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing that in some stuff at some point. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, Jeremy, what's going on with the V... I'll just call it VRAM prices. Uh, well, first they came for our flash storage. Uh-oh. Then they came for our DRAM. Uh-oh. Now they're going for our graphics RAM. It, it's... it's The market is changing so that a, a lot of the companies have realized... People upgrade their cell phones a lot quicker than they do uh, their computers, and the turnover on it is a little more lucrative. So first we saw flash memory being shifted off of uh, SSDs and the prices going up uh, early in this year, uh, April, May or so. Then we saw NAND prices starting to spike last month. Well, uh, from what we've been seeing, and the, the Digitimes article doesn't get deeply into it unfortunately but last month uh the prices from all three of the major uh vendors uh micron samsung and hk hynix or sk hynix rather um jumped 30 percent 
uh, just short of 31% actually in price. And it's expected to be worse next month. So it's a good thing that, you know, AMD and NVIDIA have launched their cards now and hopefully have some in production already because margins are going to be a little bit worse over the next couple of months. I mean, GPU availability has been great recently. So, I mean, this shouldn't be too big of an issue, right? It won't hike that. Nah, nah, nah. Here's the bad thing. Oh, no, it'll be the next generation. they, They constantly scale down their memory production to keep prices higher. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an issue to actually raise production for these guys. They're underutilizing their fabs somehow. But yeah, it's frustrating because we all like cheap memory. However, companies don't like to produce cheap memory. Yeah, that would it's be trouble. That'd be kind of a losing proposition. Yeah. What we got next? Where is the next article? Lian Lee's new PCQ39 Tempered Glass Mini ITX case. How awesome this looks. That does look pretty awesome. It is pretty sexy. Uh, That's pretty wide. Uh, well, I mean, many, it's, not, it's not super wide. Many ITX cases tend to be a little bit wider than they are. Oh, no, tall. It's, it's wider because it's got a reservoir in it. Wait, it does? Oh, what? Tip, you might say. So you're looking at it right there, the bottom one. That's where you put your uh, reservoir and your PSU. It's totally oh. separated from the side where your motherboard and everything goes on. Yeah. Okay. So it's like the Corsair Carbide Air 240, yeah. which is the case I use, which is a, mini, or a micro ATX chassis. Yeah. And they also have the full-size ATX one. It's the 540. And the, the Q37 was similar to this as well. Yeah. So I really like the compartmentalization between the side where you have all your drives and your power supply, and you can just kind of put all the cable all the excess cables back there and not necessarily have to worry about zip ties still make it look pretty clean yeah and yeah that case just looks awesome yeah. like it's it's a new newer look from lee and lee like they've kind of started to actually get beyond their classic mm-hmm. more usually, simple aluminum yeah, look they're usually like some nice detail don't get me wrong they're nice like oh, brushed yeah. black aluminum cases but that's usually they're just like very monolithic kind of like yeah, you and, and I, I still like that design. It's just nice to see them do some more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. And Tempered Glass, man, how could you how could you live without it? I mean. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's it for the uh, news items. Oh, finally. Oh. Picks of the week. My hemorrhoids oh, are killing me. I need laser treatment. Laser surgery. Um, can can I bring my SSDs with me so you can have them? Yes. Um, Ryan's not here, so uh, no pick for Ryan. Um, it's probably Mickey Mouse. Jeremy just didn't put one in, so uh, no Jeremy. Oh well, you you cut my uh, name out. Yes, because oh. you're incapable of typing your name in that field. Because hmm. yeah, you know it should be See? there. Well, he's just he's just pumping totally Josh over. Jeremy Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's put it in so, slowly yet surely. We're just waiting for him to type. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. He's, he's looking. He's looking. He's. Oh no, th- this is not a link because uh, I'm going to be a little bit mean here, so I'm not what? going to link directly. So mm. talk about it. What is it? Uh, caveat emptor. Um, I was going that. to provide that's, that's a well, caveat emptor. That's not it. 
I, w- I was going to provide would be uh, a scathing uh, review of what was Steam Crate and became Uber Crate. Because I did a 12-month subscription for them, and every month I got 10 games. I have not installed a single damn one of them, because they're all crap, and some were free to play. So I was going to say, you know, if this was something that you saw on a special, I, I really strongly suggest that you don't do it. Um, but apparently, I didn't read the contract properly, and... They feel that they're allowed to auto-renew my subscription without notifying me and my Outlook reminder to say, tell them to go intercourse a penguin uh, was a day late and they've already charged me for another 12 months of crap games. Well, I mean, can't you like charge back that thing? Uh, I am working on it uh, because as some internet lawyers may remember, there was a case a few weeks ago about uh, in the States about how Overseas companies can't say, yeah, you can't. We, we are an overseas company and we don't like dealing with your legal system, so you have to submit to ours. And like, <laughs> it turned out that's not a thing. Same remains true in Canada. So if I've got the time, and I think I'm going to make the time, uh, I'm going to fight this. It's as simple as you didn't authorize that additional charge. So uh, he did. No, Visa said, well, if you'd never dealt with them before, we would be glad to do that. But if you have dealt with them before, you have to work it out with the vendor. Yeah. I mean, he, which he, I am going to do. Yeah, he did authorize it when he signed up to reconfirm yeah, to one. They're just assholes. Yes. Although entertainingly, I signed up for Steam Crate. I did not sign up for Uber Crate, and <laughs> yeah. that was not actually in the Steam Crate mm. guidelines yeah. that I had mm. downloaded. That's so this should be entertaining. Bum, bum, Long bum. story short, buyer beware. And if you got any dealings with Uber Crate at this point, and you're even slightly dissatisfied with them, I would reach out to them immediately to cancel all and every subscription you have. Yep. And Sounds read good. your com- damn contracts, because otherwise... Hmm. You can be happy, like Jeremy. Yes. Well, so happy. Hey, I get to pick a fight in the internet. Could be interesting. Josh, the, your, yeah, always, always ends well. Did your kids always. break more headphones, Josh? You know, one child loves to break them. And after like two fairly expensive ones that I gave him, I've now resorted resorted to this. Amazon has their Amazon Basics. The headphones are one of the things. (laughs) They may not sound tremendous, but they're 11 bucks a pop. And they have audio. They fit him, and they'll at least last a year. They make sound. Hopefully. (laughs) All right. Kids are hard. They're hard on things. Look yeah. how stylish they look. Yeah, they look so they stylish. They do look stylish. If only I had that kind oh. of hair. <laughs> Sadly, I don't. Like a brillo. So, well, next time Scott gets a haircut, maybe he'll send you some. <laughs> oh, gosh, could he? Yeah, you don't think you can import that from Canada? I think there's an embargo on that. Mm. Well, at least be in quarantine for vegetable. about three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh Ken, are you going anyway? Uh, I guess you. Okay. Uh, I'm 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 cheating oh, out. Yeah, you did. Uh, cheat. I'm picking the T5, but more specifically, if you've been interested in getting one of those portable SSDs, specifically the T whatever number you want series, uh, I would look for deals on the T3. Yeah. With, with the T5 out, you're going to have the T3 selling for, you know, potentially going on sale. 
people just trying to clear out stock. Let's look here. Um, Not Amazon. And T3. T5s are a bit strong. T3s are better. I mean, you know, like, oh, so how much is that? Uh, it's not being sold new from Amazon. So, oh. well, look around elsewhere. Yeah, that that actually means that. Yeah, they should not... be mostly out of the channel. If someone hasn't left over, they're probably looking to fire sale. Yep. yep. You, so you might see some fire sales and some T threes. T three is still a good drive. You know, it's basically a basically a eight fifty Evo M SATA inside of a, inside of a housing. I mean, heck, if, even if you got an old system with an M SATA slot <laughs> that you wanted to put a decent ssd into you can get one of these yeah you know make sure the encryption is turned off bust it open and just put that drive in the computer it'll just work like an msata ssd although you can get an 850 evo msata for 178 mm. i mean if you found a really good deal you might do that but yeah 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 worth considering what you got ken uh well i know jeremy has picked this in the past but i finally got one You've been talking about buying one of these, like, for almost a year, I think. It's been a long yeah, time. It's It's been at least all of this year. Ken's always telling me, hey, there's a sale on the... Oh, hey, look, the pre-orders are well, like six months out on yeah, these. Yeah, and, yeah, so it's been, oh, man, the, the lead time's down to 12 weeks. Yeah. Oh, down to eight weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's like four weeks now. Uh-huh. Maybe a, maybe a shorter one. Yep. However, I knew my... Need for instant gratification wouldn't allow me to order something and then wait four weeks to get in the mail. Even just four weeks. Yes, but now you don't have to do that anymore. The original Prusa i3 Mark II S 3D printer is now in stock and shipping, at least for the kits. I think the tested, like the assembled 3D printers, might have like a week lead time at this point. No, no, it looks like they're caught up they're on just those in too. Stock too. Yes, they have finally caught up. Yes, so I actually recently bought. A one of these printers used, which I, I got a decent deal on, so I don't feel too bad about. But it is the closest you're going to get to plug and play for 3D printing. Yeah, I've had a lot of experience with 3D printers at this point, and even worked, gra- even worked at a 3D printer software company. Yes, and granted, I did have. Well, I, I know a lot of things about 3D printing, but getting this up and up and running was pretty dang simple using using their software i wouldn't use anything else so just use their software their version of slicer for this printer and it does a lot of auto leveling and calibration so it just kind of can adjust itself if you build it to sort of a wrong specification there are a lot of resources out there on youtube and reddit and everything for this printer a lot of people have bought it at this point it's very well supported and yeah, if you think you might be wanting to get into 3D printer, I would highly recommend this over something like a $300 kit. You're going to save yourself yep. so much headache. Yep. And I've been pretty like crazy. Heated uh, tray? Sorry? Is there a heated tray on this You're one? You're talking the, the bed, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you replaced, what, you replaced the film on yours or the... Yeah, that's just because it was used. There's there's like a... How much is that to replace the... Oh, I mean, it was like 15 bucks or something oh. like that. The, the the consumables are very few and far between on this stuff. So what's the, print, what's the print area on that? Uh, I think it's close to 200 millimeters squared. Cubed? Or that's cubed. decent. Yeah, cubed, not squared. I keep making that mistake. Yeah, so it's 250 by 210 by 200 centimeters cubed. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So it's it's pretty big. You can start to... A lot of interesting stuff. I know people print like a lot of cosplay stuff on this, like helmets and armor, which you still have to print in separate pieces and bond it together. But 
Yeah. I remember what I liked about this one was it didn't care pretty much at all what filament you used yeah. it to support it. Yeah. yeah. I've thrown a couple of types at it so far in the week or so that I've had it, and it's been a trooper for just about anything that I've done. Well, I'd imagine since it's like a fairly standard kind of build and like set of hardware that's now very common that everybody's yeah. figured out the settings for. Yeah. And, know. and their slicer software has a lot of those settings pre-made that'll get you at least started. Like they have PLA and ABS and PET settings that you could start from and tweak there, but I haven't really had to do any, any tweaking in their software. They have their own slicer. Mm-hmm. Well, oh. they've, they've mm-hmm. forked an open source slicer and okay. added a whole bunch of features and it's, it's fantastic. It's really cool. nice. Yeah. So, I have so you've gone from uh, benchmarking for stress relief after the 3D printing to 3D printing from stress relief after the benchmarking. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants to see any 3D printing printing content, then I guess let me know what you want to see because I got a 3D printer now. I need to justify justify the purchase. Yeah. So there you go. Make whistles. Right. <laughs> cool. Uh, anybody got anything before we, uh, no, get it over with. All right. <laughs> Put us out of our misery. PCPer.com slash podcast and, uh, Twitter.com slash Ryan's route and Twitter.com slash PCPer. And with that, I'm Alan Momentano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Ken Addison. Good night, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.